We're in a, a series called Rhythms of Grace and it's tied to our theme verse and our theme for the year where it says that Jesus went up a mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. There was a response and he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out and that they might have authority. And from that verse, our theme for the year is knowing God and growing in the knowledge of God. So the growing, the knowing and the growing with the idea of being sown, sent out into whatever area God wants you to make a difference in advancing the kingdom of God. And we're in this series that I have found so much joy in preparing and listening to those who've also shared in it called Rhythms of Grace. And it comes from Matthew 11, where Jesus says, if you're worn out with religion, if you're tired, then come to me and I'll give you rest. And in Eugene Peterson's translation, the message, he says, and walk with me and discover the rhythms of grace. A rhythm is something that is repeated. And so we've been talking about spiritual disciplines, which sounds very austere, disciplines. But spiritual disciplines are not things we do to earn God's favour. They're not things we do to improve ourselves. They're things that we do to allow God's grace to work in our lives. So whether it's prayer, Bible reading, fasting, some of the other things, celebrating worship, they're all meant to be a rhythm of grace. And when you do those things repeatedly, a rhythm, you put yourself in a place where God's grace can work in you and begin to transform you. This is not about legalism. This is not about straining and making ourselves grow. It's just putting ourselves in a place in God's presence with His Word, with His people that allows something to work within us. And before I introduce the title of this morning's message specifically under that umbrella that we've just talked about, I want you to take a moment and think about what words come to mind when you think about God. And I'm sure that instantly some of us would say majestic, powerful, all-knowing, merciful, compassionate, Maybe some would go, oh, I think he's grumpy and angry. Perhaps that's been an experience you've had or what you've been taught from a religious point of view, that you're always nervous. Have I irritated God? Have I upset him? And I wonder how many of you would have put as one of those descriptors that God is happy. And we're going to talk about, and it sounds strange, the discipline of celebration and talk about the happy God. You see, God celebrates. And we're going to see some verses as we go through some uh, concepts and passages today. And in fact, he created joy, delight, and commanded his people regularly to gather together to celebrate. But joy and delight... And I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this sometimes. I mean, not, not being happy in that, but the whole idea of celebrating is not something that comes naturally to me. I'm a little bit more melancholic at times. Whereas Linda has this joyful, almost childlike enthusiasm about something new, and it, it touches my heart every time I see her get excited about something simple. She celebrates. 
and it reflects something of the nature, the character of God. You see, few of us think of God as being happy and joyous. But the Bible uses the word happiness, joy, also sometimes translated blessed, and you'll see that also means in part to be happy. And the concepts of celebration over 2,700 times. So it's regularly declared, spoken of. And yet so many people have a concept that following Jesus, serving God is serious, it's mournful, it knocks out all the fun. And yes, it is serious. We are committed. But God wants us to be a people who know how to celebrate. In fact, listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 10 and following. He said, sound doctrine is in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed. That is the happy God. Now, there's a few important things that I just want you to catch. He says sound doctrine, in other words, good teaching, should be in accordance with the gospel. The gospel literally means good news, not bad news. So he says the good news we tell him, and the good news comes from the heart of the blessed God. And the word blessed in the Greek there is rightly translated blessed, but it also can be translated to be in a state of joy and great happiness. And he's saying the good news comes to us from the heart of God who is joyous and happy and blessed. And that alone should have an enormous impact on our thinking, on our approach to God. Unfortunately, the word happy has so been trivialized in our society that it's kind of a throwaway and we almost feel, and I felt it in preparing this and thinking of speaking to it, talking about God as being happy almost seems trivial, light, but it's not. God wants us to know that he's not grumpy, that he's not irritated by us, that in his presence, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. And that he's a God who delights in celebrating and sharing his joy with us. Paul in Romans 1 and verse 25 speaks of the creator who is blessed. The same word is used there that can be translated as happy. Who is blessed or happy forever. Amen. I've got to admit, and I'm glad Linda's not here. Sometimes I can just be grumpy because I want to be grumpy. Don't look at me like that. Don't you have days, moments where it's like hard work to be happy? Okay, I'm leaving. (laughs) Only the people watching online are the happy ones, apparently. (laughs) But the creator who is blessed and happy forever, Jesus invites us to spend eternity with a God who's happy. In Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, he says, come and share your master's happiness because you've served well and you've responded to the good news of the gospel. You see, celebration is also the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Celebration is at the very heart of how Jesus entered the world and then also left the world. And we're coming up to Easter and Good Friday and we'll remember the suffering, the pain, the sacrifice and the joy of the resurrection. 
But just think of this and how God is trying to say something to us. Luke says that when Jesus was brought here and said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not, not just a little bit of joy, but great joy for all the people. When Jesus was about to leave this planet and was heading towards the cross, he says to his disciples, recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 11, I've told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness may come to full measure, complete and overflowing. Now, I want you to get that. He says, I want you to experience my joy and delight so that your joy will overflow. He's saying, as Savior, about to go and lay down his life, he is still joyous, happy, fortunate to be envied. So at the beginning of Jesus' life, there's a proclamation of great joy. As he's heading to the cross, he says, I want you to experience my joy and delight. And when he began his ministry, and we record it, I'll read the passage in a moment in Luke 4, verse 18 and following, he proclaimed in the verses quoted from Isaiah that a jubilee had arrived And every 50 years, the nation of Israel was instructed on the Day of Atonement after the sacrifices have been offered to blow ram's horns to announce that Jubilee had started, a whole year of celebrating. It was a year where there was the releasing of debts, debts were cancelled, the releasing of slaves, the returning of property to people who had lost it for whatever reasons, a year of rest and of great celebration. You can read all the instructions in Leviticus 25. And Jesus announcing the beginning of his ministry says this, Luke 4 verse 18 and following, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. Not sad news, not bad news, not mad news, but good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And that's the reference. Jesus was announcing that his ministry would introduce not just a year of jubilee, but jubilee for everybody who came to him, being set free, being liberated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Leviticus, it says... In this year of Jubilee, God says, I'm going to command my blessing on you. This is not coming from the heart of a grumpy, angry, irritated God, but a God who says, all year I want you to celebrate. All year I want you to enjoy the abundance. All year I want you to experience freedom, to mark something in your hearts. And he said, in that time, I will command blessing on you. And in that sense, we are called to a perpetual jubilee inspired and brought to us by the Holy Spirit. You see, without joy in our faith, loving and serving God, and even the exercising of the spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about become dull and death-breathing 
tools that turn us into modern day Pharisees. Where we've, well, I read my Bible, I prayed, and, and what about you? And there's guilt and there's condemnation attached to it. And God says, no, 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 that's not. Because look even at the fruit of the Spirit recorded for us in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and then he lists the others as well. Love, the most powerful, God is love. But straight after that, he says, the Holy Spirit wants to bring joy, celebration, into your heart and life, along with peace and everything else. It's kind of like joy inspired by the Holy Spirit is like petrol in a motor vehicle. It, without it, the engine can't move. And without it, our lives become boring things that stagnate in heart and spirit rather than experience the joy that the Holy Spirit brings to us. Proverbs 17 and verse 22 says, a happy heart or a merry heart is good medicine. And a cheerful mind brings about or works healing, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A merry heart is like good medicine. It does something on the inside of you. And there's even scientific evidence that laughter contributes to healing, both spiritually, physically, and emotionally. A merry heart is like good medicine. So let's talk a little bit about this whole concept of joy and happiness. And I want to start off by talking about the joy of the Lord. And many of us, as we're thinking about this, if you're familiar with anything from the Bible, would know that Nehemiah announces to the people to stop grieving. This is Nehemiah 8 and verse 10. He says, this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now the context of that, he's speaking to a people who've been ravaged by war, weakened by insecurities, have become painfully aware of their own brokenness and sinfulness He's actually reading the scriptures and it's the first mention of a pulpit ever in any way. And from it, he's reading the scriptures and they'd been lost to this people after rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And they become aware how distant they've become from God, how broken they are. And they begin to mourn. And he says, no, stop, stop, stop. Don't grieve. This coming of God, this revelation of God ought to be a joyous thing. And you're not to be weakened by your pain, your sorrow, your loss, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And this may be obvious to you, but it suddenly dawned on me, and I've been around for a little bit, that it's not my joy that's my strength. It's the Lord's joy that becomes my strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And this joy that comes from the very heart of God, from the very being of God, was meant to empower them and strengthen them because Nehemiah was not just rebuilding a wall. He was rebuilding people and a nation. And God said, you're going to need joy in this. And the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Thomas Aquinas, considered one of the great theologians, 
said this, God is happiness by his essence. For he is happy not by acquisition or participation of something else, but by his essence. On the other hand, many people are happy by participation. Now, just think about what he's saying there. I'm not going to take too long to unpack it. But mostly what brings us joy or happiness is when we gain something, get something, or given something. And he says, no, God's not like that. God doesn't need things or circumstances to make him happy. He is by very nature, by very essence, a joyful God. He says, you and I need things and stuff and they make us happier. But God, at his very essence, is filled with joy, with happiness. And we find strength in life despite circumstances, pain, disappointments, trials that we go through because God is happy and not angry, grumpy or irritable. I just want you to get this. Have you ever had to go and ask somebody for something who's having a bad day? And whether they are consciously aware of it or not, are just sending out a vibe. I am irritated. Do not come near me. Of course, I've never done anything like that in my life. I'm so glad that neither Linda, Deborah or Marco are here. But anyway, <laughs> but, but you've done it sometimes. Not, not even intentionally. Not even saying, I'm choosing to be, you know. And, and or if you had to approach somebody who's like it, it's like, oh, I, I think I'll find another time. I'll come back tomorrow and maybe they're in a better mood before I ask. And that's sometimes what we project onto God. God must be angry with me because I did something wrong or I didn't do something. And God says, no, it's always a joy to see you. It's always a joy to hear from you. I love that you're coming to me. And there's this powerful concept that God... It's a joyous God, a happy God, as some of the scriptures we've just read. You see, you'll never be spiritually stronger than you understand your God is happy and not grumpy and irritated and ready to just slap you. So the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Bible teaches very strongly there's great joy in forgiveness. It's one of my favorite passages of the Bible, Luke 15, where Jesus tells the story of three things that are lost, a coin, a sheep, and a son. And at the end of each story, when the coin is found, the sheep is recovered, and the son comes home, there is this declaration of heaven rejoicing. Luke 15.10, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents, who comes home. The older brother, who had never done anything wrong in the story of the prodigal son, is really irritated by the fact that the father is celebrating the son's return. Even though the younger brother, the son who's returned, has wasted half the inheritance, had done some terrible things. 
had lost his way completely. And the older brother won't come inside because he just can't get. How, after he, a son has betrayed you like this, how can you do anything good for him? Listen to what the father says. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again, was lost and he's, and he's found. No, it's the truth. We had to celebrate. And that father reflects the heart of God to every single one of us when we begin to make our way home to him. No matter what we've done or where we've come from or which pig pen we've been living in, we had to celebrate. It says the joy of the Lord that is our strength is the joy of forgiveness. Jesus spoke about the joy of obedience. And one occasion in his ministry, a woman in the crowd shouted out, blessed is the womb that bore you. And Jesus responded, blessed. And it's that word blessed, happy, joyous, great happiness. That's the word there. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And the word obey there means to obey, but it means to God or to greatly value what God is saying to you and treasure it and seek to engage with and respond to it. And Jesus says there's blessing, there's joy in obedience. He tells the parable of the sower who went out to sow seed and the seed that fell on the good soil, Luke 8, 15, represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it and patiently produce a great harvest. If you want to see fruitfulness in your life, if I want to see fruitfulness in mine, we've got to treasure the word, hold on to it, and seek to apply it. Now, notice he says, all I'm looking for is honest, good-hearted people. He didn't say perfect people. He didn't say people who never sin, who never get anything wrong. He said, I just want good, honest-hearted people who will treasure my word, who will do their best to obey And he said, if they do that and they persevere in that, they will experience a great harvest. I want to talk about the joy of God being with us. And don't worry, there's only another 10 points. No, there's not. We're doing all right. Relax. You won't miss lunch. I love this verse in Zephaniah, one of the minor prophets, 3 and verse 17, this incredible picture that the prophet paints for us. He says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Where do we get this concept of God being irritable, grumpy, angry, intimidating? This is a picture of intimacy, of tenderness. God, the mighty God, the great warrior who can save us, who can deliver us, who can intervene in our circumstance, turn things around, takes great delight in you. It's not like when you walk towards him and goes, oh, no, not sure again. What does he want? 
he takes great delight in us. And in his love, he will no longer rebuke us. And the, yes, he does correct us and rebuke us in that sense. But it's not out of this anger and vitriol. And he'll actually rejoice over you with singing. He, he, the sheer joy, the essence of his happiness will spill over you and God will sing over you. I just find that one of the most powerful pictures of this loving God filled with joy and wanting to bring us into his joy. We underestimate God's joy and delight in us and even his joy and delight in forgiving us and think that he's annoyed and irritated with us. And we invited to enter into God's joy. Philippians 4 Verse 4 to 7, Paul, writing from prison, has every reason to be unhappy, but it's the most joy-filled epistle, says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I just want to stress, rejoice in the Lord. You can't always rejoice in your circumstances, but in your circumstances, you can always rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And he goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything, but in in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He says, God wants you to rejoice in him to connect with his joy, with his happiness. And you can do it with thanksgiving, with rejoicing, with prayer, putting your requests forward, and you will overcome anxiety and enter into the joy of the Lord. But he says there's something else you should do if you want to experience the joy of God, the joy of God being with you. He says, you need to set your mind on things that are true, honorable, just. Am I doing all right? How you going, mate? (laughs) It's all right. I like your shoes. They're really sharp. (laughs) Oh, it's good. He says, you need to set your minds on things that are true, honourable, just, pure, pure and lovely. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is to be admired. And then he goes, uh, the list could go on. But if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Ooh. What did you think about this week? Uh, and I'm speaking to myself here. Uh, this is not pointing a finger at anybody. Well, what was my mind focused on, your mind focused on? Were, were there things that were excellent and praiseworthy? He says, if you want to engage in this joy, yes, pray, come with thanksgiving, rejoice. Put your request before God. But he said, also set your mind on things that will allow joy to spill into your life. Augustine of Hippo, again a great uh, theologian, said the Christian should be an alleluia 
from head to foot. I need to live up to that more. How about you? And celebrating God does not depend on perfect circumstances, happy feelings. In prison, Paul and Silas found something to sing about. And if you read the story, you can in Acts 16. It's a great story. They've been preached. They get falsely accused of something. They are beaten and then are put in stocks. Can you imagine your back shredded open, perhaps lashes coming around, bits of flesh torn out, the pain from that, and then put in a position with your legs and your hands through stocks where you can't move to bring release. And I think if it had been me and Silas or me and Paul, I would have said, I went first, he beat me harder than you. You should look what's going on here, you know. (laughs) Feeling sorry for yourself. But what did they do? Well, let's pick it up. Just look at this reading. About midnight, while they're still in the stocks, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly... There was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And all at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I mean, there's a whole sermon there and you're not going to get it, but just think of this. The, 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 the sound of praise and joy and celebration when most people would have been moaning and complaining, God said, I've got to do something about this. And the whole prison is shaken and freedom and liberty comes because of the joy that Paul and Silas introduced into the prison, everybody was listening. Bible says there should be great joy in our salvation, the joy of salvation. We sing of God's forgiveness and comfort. We sing of trusting Him. We sing of freedom from fear. We sing of Him as our strength our song and our salvation. And Isaiah says this, Isaiah 12, verse 2 and following, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And I'm speaking to myself here as much as anyone else to those watching in our online campus. Maybe we need to find a container and go back to the well of salvation and with joy just refresh the wonder of salvation, the wonder of forgiveness, the wonder of trusting God and of God working in our lives and tap in to the happiness, the joy, the celebration of our God and Saviour. Therefore, With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Because God is joyous, because God is for you and not against you. Because God wants to bring you a place where you're not afraid because you trust in him. Where he becomes your strength and your defense and your salvation. And so when I ask this question of everyone, and we always have visitors, we've got a few mourners, and it's been a delight to have you in the house But have you said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? 
You see, religion talks about what I have to do to make myself acceptable to God. And that's not the gospel. That's not the good news of the joyous God that we serve. The good news is he's done it all and he just wants us to have a relationship with him. So I want to ask you very simply, do you have a relationship with God? Are you right with God? And just where you are to take a moment, whether sitting at home, sitting here in the auditorium, to just simply ask the Holy Spirit, am I right with God? Push away voices of religion and condemnation, but just the question. And the Holy Spirit will answer you in your spirit straight away. Yeah, you're okay. You may not be perfect, but you're okay. Or no, I'm far from God. Well, like in the story of the prodigal son, it says the father saw him when he was a long way off and ran to meet him and showered forgiveness and then celebration over his life. The minute God sees you and I turn towards him, he closes the gap. He runs to us. The minute we turn towards home.